Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, Deep Dive with Andy and the White Whale. Welcome to the Deep Dive, the grand finale of the Division Preview Series is finally here. Boy, man, are you a little worn out from this? This has been tough. We've put out a lot of content. That last one was like two goddamn hours, but you know, looks it like we, been our best one. Looks though. like we made it. Yes, this is. <laughs> and we did. I, I mentioned this on Twitter because somebody asked about this one, and it's like, well, it's the last one if you go look. But we did wait on this, and gosh, I should find that tweet as far as what I listed as all the different things. Why? Why we waited? Some of the ones were the divisions where there weren't a lot of. Uh, you know, uncertainty about certain things we did we did early on, but with this one with Zeke, I, I listed Zeke, Trent Williams, the Eagles trade rumors, Danny Dimes slash Eli, <laughs> and the Skins quarterback battle. And honestly, like we waited because we thought some of that stuff would hash out, and the only thing that hashed out was the Skins quarterback battle. And I don't know if I give a goddamn shit about that. Like, <laughs> does, it, does it matter? I I don't think we're going to talk terribly long about the Redskins. Uh, I don't either. Maybe not even the Giants. Dude, there's more in, yeah, there's some takes. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, no, none of this stuff really shook out yet. Zeke could honestly be out for weeks yet. Uh, the Eagles the Eagles could still make a trade. They'll probably trade right after we you – know, they'll probably get clowny right Right after we drop this podcast, just like fucking Andrew Luck did, he's gonna ruin it for us. Um, and I guess there is stuff to say about Daniel Jones. Like, I do think there'll be a situation where he gets some playing time this year, so it should be confidence. interesting. And I think we'll. Uh, yeah, okay. I, um, I don't. I don't. Have I, mean, I guess I'll, I'll save. I'm gonna save my takes. Trade. Okay. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. No, but I'm gonna yeah. save my takes for when we get to it because we will start with the division champs. How about them mm. Cowboys? Okay, well, let me actually take a step further back. And, like, over the years that we've been betting on NFL, and it's been a while, for whatever bizarre reason, the NFC East has the most turnover year over year as far as kind of reshuffling the division. That um, has, like, what? Like, we went through this, you know, when we were talking about who has the potential to go from worst to first across the NFL because it's happened every year and we put together the whole log of teams and I was like, oh my God, there's like like eight years in a row, or not even eight, maybe not eight, but like six years in a row, like the worst to first happened in the NFC East. And like eight times out of the like the last 10 or 15 years, like it's really bizarre how this division reshuffles from top to bottom every year. Do you, you have a theory of as why that is? <laughs> No, I don't. I don't know. Stupid coaches. There's bad some bad coaches stupid, throughout the years. Stupid, stupid Boy, coaches let's, and bad quarterbacks. Let's start, oh, my God. Let's just start naming. I mean, just the four coaches we have right now. Shermer is still a bit of an unknown, might be more of a coordinator than a coach, but she's Gruden Garrett and uh, I, I guess the Eagles coach I'm, I'm fine with. Peterson, yeah. Peterson's the advisor, Doug Yeah. Doug Doug EP. Doug I'm good. fine with him right now. He but has, he over, has over the course, I mean, we've had McAdoo. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we've had yep. some shitty coordinators through Dallas. Yep. Washington's yep. been kind of a disaster. I mean, it, it, a lot of it, I think, is just some horseshit, uh, horseshit management, bad coaching, bad decision making, and 
and teams have taken advantage. And I guess I, I do want to dive right into Dallas. So we can start with them because they want it. Yeah. But uh, it, it's one of those things where you say, yeah, oh, a different team wins it every year. Oh, like Dallas? I guess we've touched on this. We touched on regression candidates and things. But, man, this was this was a team that wasn't really all that good. Like, and they won a playoff game too. This is a division that had two teams in the in the second weekend of the playoffs, which, again, baffling. But I did the math on the other seven division winners had a point differential that averaged plus one hundred and twenty-five points. The Cowboys' point differential was fifteen points. Oh my god! Like that. Oh my god! Yeah, the Pythag, the Pythag. There were a couple games above the. I think, besides Miami, this was the biggest Pythag. And even so, if you took all eight oh second god. place teams and looked at their point and their point differential, that averages up to plus thirty one, which again is better better than Dallas's fifteen. <laughs> what? They only won. They only won ten games. They they won ten games. I don't want to take that away from them. They won ten games, which good for them. They were nine and three in one score games. Only one of their wow. wins was not a one score game. Wow. So this was just the absolute ultimate pinnacle of the pendulum swinging your way every time. And and honestly, they, they had some nice. I don't want to say that like oh it was just a really shitty team with really good luck. They were actually really good in the first half. Like they they built leads and they played just terrible. Terrible conservative. They started to, you know, they started to do the thing that the team does in the fourth quarter right after halftime. They try to salt games away way too early. And I'm, you know, blame coaching, blame offensive coordinator who got the, you know, got the axe. But they, they try to do that way too early. It came back to bite them almost. And then for some reason, they just would not lose those close games. Nine and three in one score games, which is uh, actually kind of wild. So, Wow! You know, nothing groundbreaking here that we're. I think we're in agreement that there's probably some regression. There's some problems, but there, there are still a lot of nice things about Dallas. I think they can still probably be in the conversation for a, a wild card. But I don't expect them to win ten games this week or this week. This week that'd be even tough. For I don't expect them to win the division. <laughs> I think uh, yeah. you know there's got to be a hard swing back from yeah. the, just a team a team winning ten games and. Barely having a positive point differential. Mm, okay. That's, those Oof, are great Oof points. Here. Those are great points. And it's wild that the other seven division winners won by an average of more than a touchdown. And Dallas won by an average of less than a point. Um, that's crazy. Um, okay. Let's start with the let's, – let's go down through our standard trickle down through what matters here. Let's start with Dak. Um, Dak Prescott – is in line to get a new contract. They have now had three seasons with him at the helm. In those three seasons, they've been competitive all three seasons. In those three seasons, we've seen his particular performance at the quarterback position based on the advanced metrics go from great to good to meh. Okay? And last year, I was willing to kind of hand wave a lot of that away because a ton of his season, he did not have a Mario Cooper on the roster. Uh, he had lost his safety. He lost his binky in uh, Jason Witten. Uh, Des yeah. Bryant was no longer an effective piece, and he was off the team even. 
Uh, and the P, you know, the guys that they had on offensive skill position players, you know, uh, from the tight end wide receiver positions in Dallas were, were just below average, you know, so they, they, he could never find chemistry with Gallup. He could never, you know, you know, Cole Beasley was impossible to get open. Um, you know, th- it just was not a, uh, an efficient or an effective passing offense from jump street last year. They make the trade for Mari Cooper. It opens up their offense a little bit. He develops a little bit of chemistry. They have a couple of great, great connections on primetime games. People kind of buy into the Cowboys being this, uh, you know, oh, oh, now they're, they're factors. Now they're, you know, they're, they're, you know, contenders. Um, and, uh, and yet still we get to the, the playoffs. Did you, did you get a sense that in the playoffs that uh, the public was just frothing at the mouth to fade the Cowboys in both the home game against Seattle, as well as the road game against the Rams? Oh yeah, for sure. And back to all the stats I just dropped. They won a one score game. <laughs> Against Seattle, <laughs> yeah, I know. With, which with they, some which conservative play in the second, yeah, which they tried to which blow. They right. tried to blow. It's it's like a microcosm of their season, and I do believe that they probably only lost to the Rams by seven or eight too. Yeah, which yeah, they, they keep it close, but yeah. And as far as the the Cooper thing, I don't think we have to like give you a bunch of stats to prove that he was important. But Dak Prescott's success rate on third downs doubled after oh. Cooper showed up on the team i mean it went from it went from like here i got a 5.3 yards per attempt to 7.7 yards per attempt on third downs and success rate went up to 40 percent. so it was a super important yeah a super important move um long term just like when they said with the bears they have some people that need to get paid here and there's not enough money to go around i do have something i was gonna drop and it, it's weird. I cannot remember where this is from. It's from the Warren Sharp preview somewhere. It's from a different team, and I copied it. It was something from the last one we did, and I feel like it was the Le'Veon Bell thing because of you know addition by subtraction, perhaps. And it said from 2005 to 2017, the average running back on a Super Bowl roster counted 2.5 million against the cap. Wow. So. I, that and the, I think the point the point he was making as far as was you know, the Steelers might have been in the right to just say this is this is not for us. We don't want to get into the situation the Rams are going to be into. We don't want to get into the situation that anybody anybody who's going to overpay a running back is. And the oh, most yeah. expensive running back in that stretch was Marshawn Lynch in uh, 2013. He got paid 8.5 mil. Mm. And and the fa- and also they had a they had a quarterback on a rookie deal at that point, so it wasn't as big of a deal. But yeah, you I don't think roster construction wise, if they pay Zeke, I don't think Cowboy fans are going to be happy with the way this roster looks in a year or two, and possibly for a few years after that. It could be a big yeah. issue. Yeah, uh, no disagreement. So there. hopefully for your yeah, you know, hopefully for their sakes, Tony Pollard balls out, and they just move on. Okay, so don't pay don't pay Zeke is where you stand on this. Yeah, don't pay Zeke. Don't pay running backs crazy amount of money. What about paying Dak though? Like, do you pay this guy? Like, I mean, I, I honestly like you're you, right now. The Cowboys are in purgatory. You have you do not have a coach that is yeah. good enough to win you a Super Bowl. You do not have a quarterback that's necessarily good enough to be the differentiating factor in a playoff game against equal strength team. But at the same time. 
you can't just go back to square one here because you have so much other talent around him on the roster, especially on the defensive side of the ball. They're loaded with good young talent. So what do you do? You know, you, you, you pretty much just have to, you, your, your hand is forced. You're going to have to pay Dak, right? I mean, like this would be like, like earth shattering if he does not get paid. Would you, would you agree? I think they will pay him. I still don't know how I feel about him. I did like the improvement, which, I mean, you give a quarterback a receiver, he's going to get better. The offensive line, still good. Um, that's going to get expensive here eventually. They're getting their center back this year from, God, I wrote this down. I don't even know if I want to try to pronounce it. Young Bear okay. Syndrome. Yeah, Travis Fred. No, I can say Travis Frederick. <laughs> Travis Frederick. The, the auto, yeah, Gu- the Gulane Bar. Gu- yeah, Gulane, Gulane Bar. Yeah. Gwayne Barr. Um, And it sounds like he's in good shape. Um, And I wonder if some of the, you know, Zeke playing well, um, Cooper bailing him out a little, and just having having the tight end, having tight end back now, you know, some of the players around him made him look better. And it's not, but it's not like his stats are, you know, jumping off the page either. How about his, I mean, obviously the, you know, it's decision-making a little suspect at times, but th- – and this is where I'm going with this. I do have a point here, I guess, eventually. Not not wanting to put a lot on him based on the play calling. Like, I want to see a year of him with Kellen Moore. Yeah, okay. You know, when they go conservative in the second half, it's not like Dax in the halftime – you know, locker room saying, Hey, let's, let's run the ball. I'd really like to run on first down a lot in the second half so I can face some long third downs. Really? I think we should be working on that. And I think that's how we win this game. You know, it was, it was the offensive coordinator having a bad play, play calling, bad play sequencing, Jason Garrett being okay with it. And I mean, this is a team that won a playoff game and fired a fired offensive coordinator. So I think that tells you everything about the, uh, they finally they finally bought into what everybody else has been clamoring about for years. So I'm I'm thinking Dak probably gets paid. I'm not 100 percent sure how I feel about it. I'd like to see him in this offense. See how this goes. Okay. How about um, if it's evident that it's his, it's him that's you know causing problems? Maybe it's a bad decision. How about the um, decision on the part of Jerry Jones to make all of these negotiations super duper public. Um, oh, and by the way, like speaking um, of guys who have not been extended, uh, your head coach is a lame duck. Like there's a lot of weird stuff going on with the way that this franchise is composed right now. There are a lot of moving pieces and a lot of question marks about how this team is going to look offensively. Um, you know, do you think it's a reasonable, I mean, you know, cause like, Obviously, the freaking Joneses floated out that Dak wanted $40 million a year so that everyone would react like, God, no, that's fucking laughable, right? That's a dick move. Like, we don't know what anything what was being asked, you know, in the negotiations. And the negotiations, by the way, have been reportedly a lot of between player and coach directly, which is, I mean, player and owner directly, which is a little little bizarre to try to sidestep the agency. and. Yeah, so, I mean, Jerry Jones is just kind of a wild card. We've known this for a long time. He's a guy that relishes his power within the organization. He's a guy that, you know, relishes his power among and his standing among the owners having the most valuable franchise. Uh, you know, like, is is 
are we at the place now where as long as he's holding the keys to this car, they're going to be driving into a ditch every couple of years? Yeah. I, I mean, until, until his boy finally wrestles some, some power away, I guess, because he's full out batshit crazy. And it's, it's actually fun. You know, I agree with you, like from a common sense and just decorum and everything else that that's right in the world. Like he's going about this the wrong way, but it's pretty fun to watch. Like when those quotes come out, <laughs> you, Oh my it, yeah. God, yep, it's yep, hilarious. Yep, yep, like, yep, yep, like yep. come on, we lost, we lost Donald Sterling. We lost, uh, Al Davis. We need one Looney Tune owner. <laughs> a lot of owners you don't even hear from. I I it's love true, Jerry man. Jones because he it's is just, he's great fodder. Him him on the bus with the girls. He's he's a wild card. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. It's 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 the wrong way to do things. But obviously, like, what else do you expect? This is how it's going to happen in Dallas. This is okay. what he's going to do. And this is what Zach, this is what Zeke and his agent have to deal with. And I think who's it was it Cleve Ta that laid out the the three zero start. Uh, I was it. I think, yeah, think. maybe it was, but yeah, I mean, th- this was obvious when you break down. We'll get to their we'll give credit to the wrong person. No, no, no. I think it was. I think I'm pretty sure you're right. He, he made the point that uh, that they're going to have some pretty wild leverage because they're going to be three and zero, and they're going to be able to say come back for what we dictate. Um, and you know, I mean, if if uh, if Zeke ends up on another team, I won't be floored either because. Um, like you said, there's not enough. There's really not enough money to go around because Dak needs to get paid. Cooper probably ought to pay him, and uh, you're going to need something in the in the vault. You're going to need some cash stacks in the vault to to take care of some of these young defensive pieces as we kind of trickle into their second contracts because they got it. They have a good, you know, they have a good roster. Really, I mean, it's it's a it's a it's a it's a decent. It's a top probably top ten in the NFL as far as roster goes. Um, they're held back by their head coach, though. And why they didn't fire Jason Garrett really is beyond me. Uh, you know, bringing in a, you know, a, an offensive coordinator like Kellen Moore and, you know, wasting kind of your last price control year with Dak with a brand-new offensive coordinator but not a new head coach is questionable because, yeah, you're right. Their offensive, you know, play callings, you know, they're, they're, they're sequencing their, you know, their, their um, uh tendencies were predictable they were not plus they were they were minus ev and uh you know uh, but in particular their decision making of when to kick field goals when to punt when to go for it all of that was a disaster um and uh, that all falls on garrett so the fact that they brought him back one more year is lame duck when we probably won't see him again because i doubt they will exceed jerry's expectations this year um is uh, is really weird and, um, you know, I, I, it's, I don't really have any predictions here, but I'll put you on the spot. Uh, you think, uh, Dak does get signed stays in Dallas next five years. Yeah, I think you, I think you will. Okay. Pretty, give me a prediction on Zeke. That's, it seems like the, the Dallas Zeke, thing to do. Zeke shows up when, and, uh, and Zeke plays in Dallas for how many more seasons? I don't know what to do with this. I, I don't like, are they dead set on that low ball number they gave him, which I don't think. If they if he signs for that, he's fine. Like what what's his situation? What what's his recourse? Can he just what, sit, can he no, just go full he no, no, he has no leverage. He doesn't have that. Yeah. He doesn't have the leverage like he, he hasn't been franchised. He, and and he wants Todd Gurley money. And oh by the way, like Todd Gurley has ruined this for everyone forever, right? Like there's that was the last time we'll ever see a top of the market contract like that for a running back. Uh and uh and I don't think that 
you know, I mean, and, and this is all in the light of the running back position has been, you know, um, decreasingly compensated over the last 10 years anyway. So, yeah, I think Zeke is, is, is uh, shit out of luck here as far as getting what he thinks he's owed uh, as far as compensation. And, you know, and actually, great freaking segue. What did you make of the running back targeting issue that was brought up and the, and the kind of the general, you think it's good to pass to running backs? Eh, might not be. And the absolute poster boy of this was Zeke Elliott. His negative um, EPA in targets was like jaw dropping. I was because like in my head, I can remember seeing some, I guess I'm, I'm selective bias. You know what I remember uh, in that I'm remembering him taking screen passes and, and trotting for 20 yards and being like, that's an unstoppable play. Keep running that. But in reality, uh, as a targeted um, as a targeted player in the passing game, he was like really, really a big problem for that franchise. Yeah, and there's there's something to be said about another star running back in the division two as far as negative DVOA or negative VPA on certain plays where he gets the ball through the air. It's it's a weird thing. Like we talked about this a little in the chat. I do buy a lot of the things that article said, and we're referencing an article by help me out here. I'm trying to think. Was it Hermsmeyer who wrote this? Uh, ben Baldwin. Both Ben Baldwin and Hermsmeyer have been on the beat on this, but I think it was a Hermsmeyer article. I think it was a Hermsmeyer article as well. The the guy in the drinking the champagne. Um, he, you know, he just he goes into detail. Like you should write, you should read this because I don't think we can do it justice in the amount of time we're going to talk about. It. But basically, yeah, targeting the quarterback or targeting the running back through the air is just kind of showing to be a negative EV play. And my thought is I've just been I've been just, you know, masticating it in my brains here for about a week and a half since it's come out. And I think when you do look at something like that league-wide, you find, you know, league-wide when this happens, it's a bad idea. It's less efficient than other plays. But that's not to be said there can't be teams that do it and do it well. It's like when we talked about Pittsburgh the other day and Pittsburgh or uh, Baltimore rather, Baltimore running the ball, running the ball effectively, doing it in a plus EV way. Like any kind of play out there, and I don't want to say any time, you know, don't don't go running wide receiver bubble screens anymore. Those suck dick. But <laughs> any kind of play out there, if you get the right personnel, the right scheme, and you run them at the right time, it's plus EV. So I think I think where I'm at, and I think the article kind of will agree with this a little, just the way teams do it, the way teams use running backs as a receiver is poorly in general. And I think, yeah, the Cowboys are kind of just the stats kind of flesh it out. The Cowboys are kind of a poster child for that. If you, yeah. if you throw these passes, if you, I mean, just everything. If you throw short of the sticks, bad things are going to happen. You're going to be in one-score games and – you know, they got damn lucky and eked it out this year. So I think going forward, we're going to, we're really going to find out if it's, if it's Dax trepidation or the play calling. Okay. Because now well, we have a, we've, we've eliminated a factor and we can, we can find out if uh, we can find out uh, which variable so, it was. So th- then where are we then? So with an, with a, uh, with a, a offensive line that's better than, average well i don't think this is a difference making unit like we saw in years past and and a defense that i think is relatively robust and grand 
happens and we don't know how much defense really matters all that much. But if if we are talking about a team overall that's well-composed roster-wise and, and a quarterback that's somewhere in the top half of the league and you upgrade your play calling with Kellen Moore, like what is a reasonable ceiling for this team? Make the playoffs but not make the, uh, the NFC title game? We went over the NFC North and the NFC South and I think we're kind of bought in on, you know, obviously two teams have to win those divisions, but I think there's a solid four-team race just between those teams for the wild card spots. And we'll get to the Eagles here quick. And I, I mean, no spoiler alert, we think the Eagles win the division, but it's going to be tough. Like, what do you think a reasonable expectation for the two for the six seed is? When you have, I mean, let's just uh, assign it to whoever. Just say, let's just say Green Bay and New Orleans win the divisions. Yeah, Minnesota, Chicago, Carolina, and uh, and Atlanta, and then po- a possibility of the Seahawks continuing to somehow win nine, ten games every year, and then the Niners possibly uh, moving up a little. Ten, ten wins. You have to win ten wins again for yes. sure. I, agree. I think to get a wild card. I don't think you see a nine a nine team win, a nine win team getting in. So I agree. With you 100%. It, I think they'll be on the. I think they'll be on the edge, and I think uh, and we've said this for a ton of teams, and maybe this is worth an article by somebody smarter than us. I mean, it's going to come down to the play calling. There's yeah. enough pieces here. They've got yeah. a good line. They've got a serviceable quarterback. They might have a good running back in Tony Pollard. They've got a couple decent receivers. They've got some nice pieces on defense. Uh, Vander Esch, great, great. It turns out like a bunch of rookies got drafted last year, and they're all good cover linebackers. There was a bunch of that last year. It was awesome. He was great. He's going to be great again. He was super high, not just ranked among rookies, but, uh, you know, just linebackers in general. He had a lot of uh, a lot of plus value plays, just sacks, interceptions, anything else. And you know the, a few other pieces on the defense. I'm gonna look that up quick here. Okay. Well, let me. Okay. So then, ten wins. Up here. But I think, I think, I, I think they have ten wins. Yeah, they have the have pieces it. to compete. I think they have the. I think they have a range that caps out at near there. So, I agree. You know, the 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 schedule is not exceedingly difficult, but with the offense, they have some decent pieces on the defense. I think they have a decent pass rush. Randy Gregory is he? Uh, is he out of the league again? <laughs> I, think uh, I think he is. Failed uh, test, but they got they got um, they got Lawrence, yeah, is. who's um, amazing. Yes, they have some nice pieces. That's who I was trying to think of, and and they drafted some other defenders here. Um, I think. Their range goes into that ten win, you know, level. If the offensive play calling incre- improves, the defense plays well, and the schedule can just kind of flushes out nice for them, they can be in that conversation. But yeah, if if it's anything like last year, I think it's, they're closer to the seven eight win range. Okay, okay. I don't see and that's and that sucks. I don't see them falling falling completely down, and that sucks. You don't get a high draft pick. You might retain your coach again. You're just stuck in that same old area. Not quite good enough. Not quite bad enough. Yep, I agree with this. Oh, um, and then Randall, Randall Cobb. Who I, I'm not like jazzed about Randall Cobb, but if you're going to replace Cole Beasley in the slot, you could do a lot worse. Uh, Robert Quinn. I mean, they made they made some moves. They didn't have a first round draft pick because of the Amari trade, but uh, they picked up. I mean, they picked up Tony Pollard, who we're all excited about. 
Yeah. I'm trying to think if I know any of these other guys. No. Penn not State really. guard. Um, okay, so So I mean where where Cowboys, do you what's your range for them? What do you uh, think? Eight, eight to ten. I think it's pretty narrow. I think they cl- they clearly get to eight because yeah. I don't think they're I don't think that they fall apart. I don't see them, you know, absolutely, you know, giving back all of their coin flip wins. Um, and um, you know, presumably with the new play caller, they step forward a little bit on offense. Maybe they have some more comfortable wins, and then they lose the coin flip games, and then all that trades off, and they're nine and seven again. But I do see them as a playoff bubble team. Um, I'm going to see plenty of opportunities to bet on them. Uh, at the at the right price for sure, um, and um, yeah, plenty of opportunities to fade them too. Because uh, you know, in, in these close games, uh, I have no confidence that Jason Garrett's going to make the right decisions. I have no confidence that he's going to make the correct scheme adjustments heading into a game to take advantage of his opponent's weaknesses. Because we just haven't seen it from him in his career as a head coach. And why start now? Um, which brings us to the exact opposite of that problem which is the Philadelphia Eagles, who are led by probably the most, outside of New England, outside of Foxborough, this is the most, I think, um, plus EV organization in terms of decision-making, in terms of play sequencing, in terms of really emblematic of the modern NFL in pretty much every way. Uh, And, you know, when you have an organization that embraces the things that, you know, add wins, add value, add points across, you know, all uh, aspects of the, uh, you know, the game of football, I think it covers up a lot of warts. And for sure, the Philadelphia Eagles have some warts. And we'll get to those in a second because we'll need to throw some cold water on here. Um, but uh, this is a team that looks absolutely primed to lead the uh, lead the NFC in terms of, um, you know, every every category that really matters in my opinion, and uh, potentially, you know, sets themselves up to uh, to get a bye and, and, you know, good luck going through Philadelphia if you're expecting to get to the NFC title game, or, you know, get, get to the Super Bowl. So um, I'm pretty high on the Eagles, not just for the NFC East, but for the uh, NFC as a whole. Um, and, you know, it's possible that I've completely drank the Kool-Aid of the plus EV decision-making and Carson Wentz turns out he'll never be the same guy that we saw two years ago, but um, I'm willing to suspend pretty much all uh, disbelief about Carson Wentz that would have been, you know, kind of born from his performance last season when he coming off an ACL injury. Um, and, you know, I don't hold his back injury that kept him out of the last part of the season really against him. I, I still just look at this team and the coaching staff and the roster construction. All of it looks absolutely superlative to me, and uh, I'm bought in. Um, what are your thoughts on Carson Wentz? I would start greasing up the poles, Philadelphia. <laughs> it's coming back. Carson Carson's getting his. Yeah. I almost, you know, as much as, you know, there was a lot of to do about the Eagles fans being terrible to Vikings fans. And they were, they're just, I mean, it's a, it's a city full of awful humans. Sure. I bet there's plenty of nice. I know a lot of nice people from Philly, but uh, you know, bad news makes the news. And it's as much as it, I try to hate on this team, I do kind of feel bad for Carson Wentz for yeah. that team, oh, not yes. getting to lead that team in that Super Bowl. Like that sucks. That has to just eat at him and probably drive him. I'm excited. I like the receiving core. I like the way he's looked 
you know, just everything coming out of camp, everything coming out of OTAs, everything coming out of just everything coming out of Philadelphia, how he's feeling, not only the knee injury, but the back injury, the receiving core they put together with the, the two tight ends they have could be, I mean, they, they know what they had. They ran a ton more 12 personnel than Jeffrey, our CO white side, Deshaun Jackson. It's, it's exciting. And they have an easy schedule. The schedule, by any metric I've looked at, is bottom five in the league. They're only, I guess the wart is running back for sure, and a couple spots on defense. And then maybe one other schedule thing we'll go over a little later once we dig into it. But uh, I'm, I mean, it's in today's NFL, what is super important? Do you need a passing game? They have a good passing game. They have a good passer. They have good receivers. They have a pretty damn good offensive line. They've got yeah. a great tackle. They've got a great center. They've got enough, you know, continuity between the rest of it to take care of it. They have some good edge rushers. I mean, this is these are the things you need to succeed in the NFL in today's NFL. They've got the pieces. They've got an easy enough schedule, and half of the easy schedule is just because the division they're in. Yeah, if right. Dallas does peter off here, and Daniel Jones doesn't work out. The Eagles could be in like a Patriot-like situation where the rest of the division is just you know six rollovers for a few years here. So sure, I'm I'm very excited. Uh, you know, obviously the numbers are a little lower. I'm trying to look. What do we got for Super Bowl right now on the Eagles? I mean, you can find a fifteen to one. I think probably five, six, seven to one to win the NFC. Their number that I really like is. Seven and a half game. You can find a pretty sexy number on them to win the NFC East. And that's, I think that number should be a lot higher. There's too much money. There's too much love for Dallas. I'm I'm out on them. I I think 10 is the absolute ceiling. And I think the Eagles with the schedule 10, nine or 10 is the the floor. That's worst case scenario. Yeah. Yeah. Eagles win the (laughs) NFC East. Eagles win the NFC. See, those are some numbers I'm going to be shopping around here for. Yeah, after we got a I'm little in. bit of, after we got fly a little bit fly. of, <laughs> fly goes fly. I got a little bit of, uh, you know, um, a good feeling about Wentz in the beginning part of camp, seeing kind of how he was progressing from, you know, from his uh, layoff, and um, you know, I'm expecting him to be the 2017 Carson Wentz, which kind of lends itself into how you can even project this type of you know, optimism for this team. Cause you know, if we see 2018 Carson Wentz, then this is a very, very sketchy position because the, you know, the Cowboys are, you know, they're, they're going to give them hell uh, if Carson Wentz can't, uh, you know, can't perform this season. So uh, after seeing a little bit of uh, Wentz in Trent camp, I was convinced, okay, he's coming back fine. He's going to, you know, he's going to be able to, um, you know, play his way into playing shape a little bit here with the, you know, a couple of opening, a uh, couple of opening tilt games that are, you know, should be straightforward for them. Um, the week two game against the, the Falcons is going to be a little tough, um, but uh, that opening game, they are at nine point faves at home against the Redskins. Um, week three looks like a reasonably high likelihood of getting a win. Um, and then week four, they got a first true t- tough test against uh, the Packers on Thursday night football. Uh, in a spot where they're going up against a rookie head coach on Thursday, where I like their, you know, I, I like them in that spot. I'm probably going to be backing them. Um, and, um, 
I think that really starts to set the tone for this team and then they can kind of run through the middle of their schedule. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's, there's reasons to be kind of suspect about all this, but I just, you know, I'm, I'm kind of bought in on, on Wentz being the guy, uh, and, uh, looking like the Wentz of old. Um, and you know, how do you feel about Peterson as a, and I guess in general, this is just something I'm looking at and this is a theory I'm concocting in my head while you're talking. How do you feel about smart coaches getting to play a playoff opponent earlier in the year? Like they get to face someone in the playoffs and they've already played them. Do you think that's an advantage for a smart coach like Doug Peterson? Because Falcons, Packers, Vikings, Bears, New England, Seattle, I mean, there's a bunch of probable NFs. And and I guess, you know, New England obviously would be in the, the final game, but there is a bunch of possible playoff teams they play right away, especially early in the season. Is that an advantage? Yes. I, I mean, everybody so. plays if you're, if teams, you're Yeah, right. If you're a good even, coach, I think it is. And, I mean, we saw it last year with the – I mean, the Eagles legitimately had a shot at beating the Saints uh, in the playoffs. And this is after in the regular season they lost like 56 to 2 or something. I mean, like they got their absolute doors blown off during the regular season matchup. And they came back and they were very competitive in that playoff game. Um, And I think you look to that as sort of an idea and example. Um, And I'm going to say, yeah, I mean, you know, just Doug Peterson in general, like what makes him special? What makes him a guy that I feel strongly about when we are just finished talking about how Garrett is like the principal problem with Dallas. He generally his play, it's his play sequencing. It's his aggressiveness. Those two things combined gives them an extra, you know, 50 to a hundred points a season, the last two seasons, rather than going into, you know, going, you know, going into a, a set of downs, he's going past, Pass on passing on early downs often. Uh, he's not afraid to run it on third down when they're third and medium because he's trying to set up a fourth down, which he knows he's already going to go for. He is not sitting back and thinking about it when it's fourth and two and they're at the opponent's 45-yard line. In fact, he made his play call on third down knowing that he wanted to get to fourth and two and then had a play already in mind to call at fourth and two right that's unique in the nfl there i don't know can you name any other coach in the nfl that operates that way well um peyton now all of a sudden like but that that's more of a we'll wait and see if that continues but uh no for sure i mean he is he's been aggressive and i like how you said it like planning almost planning ahead aggressive like i'm not worried about what I will do if we get into a fourth down situation, I'm comfortable setting it up knowing I'm going to go for it on fourth down. Like that, just just thinking ahead and being ready and being ready to be aggressive. I like that. And I think you're right. I mean, it's it's probably, you could probably prove it out that it's just going to, it's going to give the ball to the opponent less. You're going to have the ball longer and you're going to score more. Those are good things. They are. <laughs> they really are. And it's fewer field goals, yeah. fewer punts. Good yeah. things. It's true. And um, you know, I think two years ago it was it was an exercise in you know, two years ago into going heading into their Super Bowl season. They were expected to win like seven or eight games. That was not a team people looked at in the preseason and said this is a world beating franchise in the way that this roster is constructed. And in fact, smart people around the NFL um, you know, 
we'll say a guy named, you know, I'll abbreviate M Lombardi. Oh, that's too obvious. Michael L uh, was kind of out there floating that there was like a <laughs> mutiny, a mutiny in the locker room at the coaching staff where, um, you know, I can't remember the damn guy's name now, but the, the defensive coordinator for the Eagles, uh, former Lions head coach Schwartz, Jim Schwartz, Jim Schwartz, uh, former defensive or defensive coordinator for the Eagles, who's damn you know, damn decent defensive coordinator, uh, was effectively leveraging his relationship with the ownership to try to get Peterson forced out. Lo and behold, Peterson already had you know a plan for how he was attacking on the season. He knew he was going to be at a disadvantage in certain games, and he got aggressive. He got real. Uh, and uh, he was rewarded for it handsomely through um, what fourteen and two, fourteen wins in the regular season, home field advantage throughout the playoffs, and uh, and a Super Bowl win over Bill Belichick. So it was uh, it was a, ex- exactly the recipe that you have a, you have a, a, a suspicion, you have a theory, you test it out, you get rewarded in the most meaningfully what meaningful way possible that now is kind of part of your dna that is now your identity uh and i think it's an easy bet to expect they continue to operate in this way you're not going to see them kind of roll out of bed in a game that's you know that they have a game against uh, a team that is competing for the playoffs you're not going to see them roll out of bed and run a vanilla offense and be risk averse and be uh you know be cowards and not make the correct calls on fourth and short in your opponent's territory Right, like they are going to make the right calls in those situations, knowing the maths behind them, knowing that they have the analytics department to support their decision making is huge too. Um, and you know, all this just kind of boils down to the the Eagles are are being run as a franchise that I want to be supporting. You know, pretty much any way I can can find. And uh, I'm I, after kind of seeing Carson was was relatively healthy in training camp. I got to limit plays down on. Uh, um, Eagles to win the AFC East at plus 106. It's kind of in the minus 130s, minus 140s range, Good luck range with that now. One. Um, why? Oh, because I think I like. Oh, I'm NFC East. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. I'm yeah, on uh, Eagles, Eagles NFC East at uh, plus 106. And I, you know, I, I do think there is still value at minus one in the minus 130 range. So, yes. um, that uh, that's a fun, good, positive look, and you know we'll save some kind of season-long projections for another podcast. But very, very, uh, very highest reg- hold the Eagles in the highest regard in the NFC, really. And um, and uh, I like a lot about this team. A little bit worried about, well, and the, and the, you, know, you know the books the books aren't shy about it either. They're it's there's juice on over ten, like the implied. Oh. I can't do the math out of, you know, but the, the implied is probably closer to just under 10 and a half based on it's plus one Oh five on over 10 and a half here. So, I mean, they realize this is going to be a good team, but I think, I think there's still value, like you said, on the NFC prop and, and probably on some of those numbers. Cause this is definitely a team that can find their way into the, the NFC title game, especially yep. if the season goes well. Overachieve, they get to 12, 13 wins, and we get some home games. Some commentary uh, on the market. Oh, that's, yeah, that's the cold water. Should we do it? I got to do that cold water. Yeah. Let's they, save save I, it for just save, save, save that ahead. for do just a thing. second. Yep. Uh, commentary on the market. They did open at nine and a half minus 110. It is up to over 10, where the over is juiced to minus 147. That is the second highest um, improvement in price um, 
at 73 cents increase uh second highest only after the buffalo bills um and yeah so i think the you know the market in general shares our optimism and i think for good reasons but what's what's the cold water i have a different cold water the cold water is yeah i know but we found that and I, i quizzed you on this i said go look at their schedule and find their most advantageous rest spot and as it turns out it is an easy schedule as far as Overall teams efficiencies and you know just power ranks whatever you want to call it, they don't have a rest advantage anywhere. They're the only team, and that's how they. This is how you get a rest advantage. Crazy. You win twelve, thirteen games, and you get you get to take a week off. Like that's how you find your rest <laughs> advantage. That'd be the only way. Yes, um, they're gonna have a rest advantage that's, week that's nineteen. Not, you don't, <laughs> not everything can, you know, roll, roll your way. You take a top or a bottom five schedule as far as strength of teams, strength of opponent. I guess you can't win them all. You're not going to have any rest advantage. Yeah. So yeah. there might be some advantages people play against that. Mm. Mm. What was I, your, what's your cold water before we move into the real uh, shitty in, teams? Uh, injuries, a little bit concerning. Um, they're somewhat thin. Um, you know, I, I don't love what I'm hearing from Lane Johnson in terms of, you know, him kind of coming out and saying, I'm going to be playing through pain all season. Uh, I don't love, um, you know, what the backup quarterback situation is. If Wentz at all takes a step back and, or has to miss a couple games because of lingering back pain or knee pain or who knows. Um, I don't love, uh, that they invested in a running back, uh, in Jordan Howard, uh, as opposed to putting more young weapons and passing game in there for Wentz. Um, you know, Deshaun Jackson's already, you know, dealing with an injury and I had high hopes that he was going to be able to, uh, be a difference maker, taking the top off the defense. So, uh, there are a number of injury issues that I'm a little bit concerned about. Um, but I will also say they, this coaching staff, I believe in, uh, to be able to coach up the replacement level players. We saw them do it last year, uh, come like week, like, I don't know, 10, 11, 12 last year, they had. What fifth four? They had a cluster injury at uh, at in their defensive backfield. I think they were missing their starting three or four cornerbacks, uh, and I was like, "They're done. They're done. No way you can win in this league if you're missing your top three or four quarter cornerbacks." Sorry, you're done. Uh, but they coached up a couple of guys who should not near even have been on NFL rosters to look darn competent, and they put uh, they put the hurt on the uh, on the Bears and the Saints in the playoffs. Uh, after even making a run to the playoffs, like I was like, they are D-U-N done. Goodbye, Eagles. See you next season. Uh, but they coached those guys up. They won some key games, and they uh, they punched their ticket to the uh, to the big dance. So um, got to give them credit for that and got to expect that they'll be able to, to kind of fill holes, fill gaps, coach players up again um, just on the basis of we've seen this team do it before, and they can do it again. Hell, they won the freaking Super Bowl with a backup quarterback. So if anyone can do it, the Eagles can. Um, but there are some injury red flags on this team. I'll say that. Shall yeah, that's not great. And yeah, the the run and the running back. I mean, the running back cluster injuries weren't helpful. No, they are hopeful. A little more hopeful this year. That I mean, it sucked right away last year. And the Jordan, I don't mind the Jordan Howard move. Uh, Miles Sanders, I think he was dealing with a little bit of an injury, but I think he'll be fine. And uh, or Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Jackson says he's going to play. It's just a finger. I should actually tweet him. He needs to go full Ronnie a lot on that. Just lose it. 
yep. man up to if you're man listening to Sean Jackson, cut your finger off and play. You're going up against your hated so. Redskins who you used to play for. Right? Wasn't wasn't Jackson on the Redskins for a hot minute? Oh yeah. Remember. Hey, that'll be our we don't do this enough or at all because we don't know what we're talking about, but that's my DFS play of the week, week one. Sean Jackson revenge game. Roster him in cash leagues. Roster him in tournaments. Roster him in fantasy. Roster him in best ball. I like this. I like this. Um, Okay, he's your starter for week one. I like him. I'm going to sit everyone on the Redskins. Oh, Oh, wait. Is the Redskins next? The the Redskins are next, right? I'm going to sit all the Redskins week one. (laughs) The Redskins... The Redskins, man. Oh, my God. They are a f- fucking hot mess. Oh. Um, franchise is in free fall. Um, this looks... I, I will be more surprised if they sniff anything to do with the playoffs this year than I will be if the, Jay Gruden is among the first coaches let go. Um we're going to break down first coach fired a little bit more detail with our interview guest this week. So I'll save a little bit of this discussion for then, but, uh, Jay Gruden in my, should, opinion should we is, do a little spoiler? Yeah, sure. I mean, just the top two coaches are in this, are in this division. Oh, for first coach like fired. Shermer and Gruden. Oh, Shermer's number yeah, two. In, in, Oh, geez. Shermer's number two in some spots. He's he's like seven to one in some spots. So I, at yeah. least at five dimes, you're number one and number two most likely to be fired coaches by the odds. And that does not mean a hill of beans in this in this uh, particular prop. And like Whale said, we'll get into that with our interview guests this week. But it's hilarious seeing two in the same division right up top. Yeah, that's and actually wild. Jason Garrett's twenty to one. He's not that far oh, down. Geez. So geez. yeah, I. I tried and tried to find some nice things to write down about Washington. I think I found one, but yeah, it's it's a lot of negative Nancy here. It's it's not going to be a good year. Okay, well, um, they have conducted probably the second least interesting quarterback competition through camp that I can remember. Um, last year's Bills quarterback comp was pretty uninspiring between Peterman. Um, McCarron and uh, Josh Allen. This year's quarterback comp between, um, you know, between uh, Keenum, Colt McCoy, who apparently is still suffering from broken leg uh, related injury issues. Broken leg syndrome. (laughs) Broken leg syndrome is not good. Um, And uh, and rookie Dwayne Haskins. This has been a rough comp. I have not seen anything throughout the preseason throughout training camp that tells me any of these guys are going to be remotely competitive this year especially behind this offensive line that is missing its most important piece in Trent Williams Trent Williams oh by the way who is holding out not because he wants more money not because he, he just hates his team as much not, as we do <laughs> I know not because he hates his coach but because the team could not correctly diagnose a tumor he had last year and he has zero faith or trust in the medical staff. <laughs> Do you know what Can the medical staff told him? <laughs> no. What did they tell Do him? Do you know what they told him? No. They said, it's not a, it's not a tumor. <laughs> <laughs> like old people will get that. That's a good movie. This is a kindergarten cop? Just now. Is that kindergarten um, yeah, cop? like he, he's mad. Like th- this reminds me of the Jared Allen situation before he was traded up to Minnesota. 
where he, I mean, he lost faith in that. He lost trust in that team. And that was a completely different situation. We won't get into that, but I mean, they did him wrong and he lost faith in the team and he was not going to play anymore. And I really don't think like just as far as this escalated, I don't think he's going to play for them. No, I no. really think this is this dumpster fire is just getting gas thrown on it. Um, hundred percent. And that's where I'm like, I get starting Keenum and gosh, we should, here I found, I got to find this regular Twitter shout out to our friend, Dwayne for putting us. I didn't, I didn't, you know, you couldn't get a lot down cause it's just a goofy prop, but I was able to get down a couple different books. They were hanging like even money on case Keenum to be the starter for a bit. That was a bad line with, you know, <laughs> that was a bad line. So shout out to Wayne. He's the head coach of some basketball team in Texas and a degenerate gambler. D money makes money. So go whatever basketball team D money makes money. That was uh that was a good call. We, and we said we're going into week one with a win already. Yep. Which is yep. super nice. So I think I get the call, but I'm going to say this for a couple teams here. Spoiler alert. Cause there's only one team left. At some point, you should probably start the rookie and see what you have. Yes, like, you're, you're, this you're is at not a point. hard. This is yeah, not hard. I think it's one of those. It's one of those things that old school NFL guys and like your uncle will always say this sort of shit. But it, it's probably been proven out. Like these these rookies that start and they don't do well, and the people say, "Oh man, they threw him into the fire." It's like no. He wasn't going to be good anyway, probably. Most likely, he wasn't that good of a quarterback. The sooner you know, the better. There are a ton of quarterbacks. Yeah, the sooner you know, the better. Get him out there. Get him playing. Get him, get him more first, you know, more, more first, uh, first string looks in practice, at least in the second half of the season. I mean, once, once the season has started to play itself out and you find out that it isn't going to be some magical surprise where you're, you know, seven and one going through eight weeks – it's time because the beginning of the schedule is super conducive to maybe doing that after the bye or maybe after the Minnesota game. I think they should probably think about starting Dwayne Haskins sooner than later. Um, I I don't know what they'll get out of him. I don't I don't love the pick. I don't love him as a as an NFL quarterback. But I've been fooled before, so at least go see what you got. Absolutely have to. You absolutely have to. So uh, give me a, here's quiz time. <laughs> Who is the most impactful player uh, on this uh, Redskins offense? Oh, Eric Flowers? I mean, does it have to be a good impact? <laughs> it's absolutely Jordan Reed, isn't it? <laughs> it is definitely Jordan Reed, but you're probably right. Eric Flowers is going to start a tackle. Wreck Flowers. Uh, yeah. Good luck with that. Um, Jordan Reed. Yes, Jordan yeah, Reed. Uh, doesn't absolutely. get targeted enough. Doesn't doesn't get targeted enough in Jay Gruden's offense, weirdly. Uh, can't stay on the field because he's had concussion and other injury. I mean, you know, the, the only guy heading to the locker room to get checked out more often than Anthony Davis is Jordan Reed. Um, and you can't necessarily count on him being an impactful player for all 16 weeks. But, uh, I mean, who beyond that? Doxon? We got Doxon well, here? I mean, we got Dax in here. No, it just Adrian Peterson. Does he have anything left? Well, and that's the thing too. That again, this is if you're a Redskins fan, what you want out of this season is Dwayne Haskins to look 
pretty decent in some in some losses. You want lots of losses. This is another team that should be hoping for a tank, not only for the pick. I think you do want Gruden out of there. I'm not I'm not excited about Gruden. They are bringing in a new offensive coordinator. Gruden calls plays anyway, so it'd be nice to see some fresh air there because they run the ball so much. They, and it's not like the Ra- the Ravens were, hey, they run the ball a lot, but they're good at it, and they're doing it successfully. Their success rate on these on, on first half, first down handoffs is like 39% I have here. It's, it's not good. Their first down play calling is not good. They end up with long third downs. And then when they do target read, this is the, a glaring stat I found. The average yards to go on these third downs where Reed gets a target is 9.7. And the average depth of target at which they throw to him is 5.8. Oh, my gosh. Just math. Yeah, so, I mean, they're not even using him properly. They're using him as a check down, you know, as a way to get to the punter. Yeah. So, (laughs) running early on first down with a low success rate and then, you know, running horseshit plays on third down where you throw ahead of the sticks, that's how you end up with a a 7-9 and team that actually overperformed. Their pie tag was down there. They shouldn't have done that well. Um, yeah, I, I guess outside of Reed, I'm not super excited about anything. Maybe, uh, maybe the, the edge rushers care again, and then Sweat coming in as a rookie. They should have a decent defensive line, a couple other decent pieces on defense. I'm a hard seller on Josh Norman. That, oh, geez, I'm going to be fantasy Andy tonight. Um, figure out who, figure out who Jordan's going to be on, and start that receiver. He is declining at Revis, like, you know rates here he is going downhill well week one i think they play the eagles so i had to pick someone on the eagles that you should make your starter for week one (laughs) oh shit i'll have to go back and listen to that part and think of somebody god damn it yeah look at me start him deshaun jackson it's god we're gonna have to clip this part if deshaun jackson has like 200 and a couple touchdowns and just some bombs from wins we're gonna have to oh you know norman uh, and jackson are gonna get into a fight at some point too that'll be great i can't wait um anyone on this defense though is a difference maker i mean like there are a couple people who are a little underrated here like these are not names we know kerrigan's underrated jonathan allen's a little underrated um, yes. yes uh, Landon Collins is fine as a safety. Um, yes. I mean, I don't love him. I think the Giants should have kept him. I don't exactly know why, how he ended up uh, on the Redskins necessarily, but that was maybe their only good move in all of the offseason, in my opinion, was scooping interdivisional rivals, best player on defense, but whatever. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know. The defense may be good enough to keep them a little bit in games. Maybe, uh, maybe if uh, if they do go with Haskins and Haskins can kind of you know pull a little bit of a rabbit out of his hat now and then they get to what five six wins. Does that seem like their ceiling? Yeah, that seems fair. I mean, the schedule's brutal. At Philly, home hosting Dallas, which again we weren't super high in Dallas, but I still think they're a tier above this team. Then they host the Bears. They go to the Meadowlands to face the Giants, and then they get the the Patriots at home. Yeah, get a little bad, respite with the stretch. Dolphins, and then yeah, Niners, Vikings, and I mean we're not high on the Bills. We're a little high on them, but going up to play Buffalo, and it, I don't think it's a good matchup for them. No. It could be a really rough stretch going into the the ten the week ten pie. Mm. So, do you, do you remember yeah, that? Just, uh, just the, the play calling against that Buffalo, like they might not score against Buffalo. 
I'm calling yeah. it now. <laughs> Shut well, up. Buffalo's defense is like, that good. B- yeah. Buffalo, yeah. Needs to, Buffalo needs safety. The first two zero win since the the, the, <laughs> the Cleveland Stanleys beat the Chicago Steamrollers. Are we betting the under on the yeah, team that, line? That can, yes. Yeah, I'm I'm out on Case Keenum. I've been out on Case Keenum for a while. The the year he was good with Minnesota, I was yeah, I was just waiting for the other shoe to drop constantly. It didn't till the playoffs, so it was kind of a fun year. But uh, I mean, you go with a retread quarterback, an ancient running back, and yeah, outside of Jordan Reed, not much in the passing game that I'm super excited about. Uh, Juice coming back off an injury. You drafted another running back mid-draft. Like the, the offense does not get me. And Eric Flowers, Eric fucking Flowers. Like yeah. Trent Williams sits out. This is gonna be a problem. Yeah. Like, maybe they need. Maybe they need to get. Maybe that's what they should do. This should be the plan. Get the offensive line figured out a little. Let them play together a little. Get a little better. And then put Askins in there. Let Keenum get hurt. Why didn't they Keenum take a first point? Nah. Why didn't they take a first from Patriots for William for Trent Williams? They're not going to get a better offer because it's a because it's a because it's a, a second round pick. I would have yeah, wanted a first and a fourth. They're not going to get. But yeah, a they should have. They're not going to get offered a first, other than late first. No, they're um, not going to get like a high end first or a mid round first. You're going to get no. a late round first, but I would wanted a little more. So okay. I think they should have at that point. Just start reloading. Okay. You had two first round picks this year. Do it again next year. You think they just get utterly waxed by the Eagles in this uh, in this home opener? I mean, the the Eagles home opener. Um, I, I'm I'm probably staying off. This yeah. Game what did we altogether. What did we say was the strength of their defense? It's probably the pass rush. Yeah. And if Wentz yeah, if Wentz is yeah. getting it out quick to all those receivers, yeah, I'm so high on the Philly receiving core. Yes. Yeah, if you can same. neutralize the pass rush and the the passing game is clicking. And the offense looks like garbage, which even against the Eagles defense, which is not, you know, like world beaters, but just every matchup I'm seeing is Philly. It, it should be a pretty bad game. I kind of did. I did a this laugh will be out the loud. One. I did a laugh out loud looking at the uh, Cantor gaming look ahead lines in like uh, May when they came out week two, they had uh, um, the Redskins hosting the Cowboys was a pick em. What do you think that actually goes off at? Cow- Cowboys are favored by how much in that game? Week two. Oh, I mean, it should be four, four and a half. Yeah, that sounds about it's, right. Okay. It's in, it's, it's, it's in <laughs> FedEx. Or, oh, what's the name of the stupid? I shouldn't say stupid town. I grew up Ral in John. Town. Ral John. Ral, Ral John, Maryland. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um. All right. Well, that was, uh, that was. I mean that was uh, bearish enough on the uh, on the Redskins there. Uh, just a note on their season win total. I don't see an angle on the under. It's awful, awful damn low. Um, it's down to six. This was one of the more heavily bet to the under. It has moved fifty cents. Uh, if you want to bet under six right now, bookmaker with five k lo- uh, limits, you're looking at laying minus one seventy, which is stupid. Um, maybe you can shop around for an alt under, but I honestly like they're gonna they're, they're gonna win some coin flips because their defense probably going to keep them in some games. Um, and I think they realistically were talking about a four and 12, you know, five and 11 team. So I don't see a ton of margin there. So this is a stay away. Can they 
win either of their games against the Giants? And have we completely overlooked this team in a division that we set up at the beginning of this podcast as one that reshuffles from bottom to top every freaking season? Um, I know you feel pretty strongly that the Giants do not have the pieces in place to be competitive in the NFL in 2019, namely at the quarterback position. Um, but they have some talent on offense. They have some recent investment in pretty high draft picks. Do they exceed expectations this year, Andy? It's, were they worst? Oh, were we looking at a worst to first surprise to shock us? This would be it. Uh, it would be this would be the shocker, <laughs> I think. Um, I, I, I think I think we're gonna get an asterisk first to worst with Green Bay because without the tie, which they shouldn't have been able to walk away with a tie, they would have been last place, tied with Detroit. So that might be the worst to first, but I don't yeah, Jags. think they have it in them. Um, Jags are your oh yeah, here. God, we are we are we are kind of just with what happened there. Yeah, that kind just of what happened. That kind of. Yeah, that kind of gave him an assist. I think the Jags. The Jags got the vote too. What's the stat? It's just completely ignoring everything you said about the Giants and going off in another direction. What is the? How many times do people go worst or a first to worst from the top to the bottom? Oh, I all the way down. I can't recall. Let's look that up later. It happens almost as frequently. It's a little less. It's a little less frequent, but it definitely happens. Um, we might have, we'll, we'll have to do a poll on that. Too. Yeah, we will. Poll's coming. Pierre, everyone's going to pick the Colts now, though. Um, okay. The um, I might leave them out of there. Yeah. Giants, though. Uh, I I don't know, man. Like I, as hard as I as as hard as I ride the anti Dave Gettleman train, as hard as I ride the you are a franchise being well, we held ride. hostage. By Eli Manning. I mean, this is a franchise that's being held hostage by Eli Manning, who's way past his prime, who does not have the current skill set to compete for wins in a meaningful way in the NFL. Yet he has a stranglehold on this franchise and that starting quarterback job that I cannot explain. Um, the ownership is not doing its job in terms of checking Gettleman in his decision making or in checking the, um, you know, how much say Eli Manning has over his role as starting quarterback. And as a result of that, they're squandering years and years here and they're alienating their fan base, which is, seems dumb to me. But uh, again, again, I'm not a, an, uh, I'm not the kid of, a, of a, one of the owners uh, who started the NFL in the first place. So what do I know? Um, but I would look towards the Giants potentially being a little bit of a of a sneaker, of a sleeper, of a team that can surprise you this year just on the basis of some of the more problematic parts of their roster have been turned over. Guys who I thought were minus, uh, who were below replacement level, they've got replacement level or they've got rookie talent in, in some of those spots. Um, so they may be improved in some areas here. Um, I don't love anything about their defense. Janoris Janoris Jackson being your kind of primary, Janoris Jenkins being your primary leader on the defensive side of the ball is a blaring, blaring siren of an issue. Um, And, uh, you know, you've you've shuffled out a a number of kind of good, um, you know, talented in the middle of their career players for youth or also Rams. Um, I think Ogletree is a nightmare linebacker, by the way, way too freaking slow to play that position for the current state of the league. Um, and 
on the offensive side of the ball, you're going to have to rely almost entirely on Sac- Saquon, Saquon Barkley, Saquon Barkley. And um, maybe Sac- that's fine. Life. Sac Life, Sac Lodge. It's not. Uh, it's not Sac Lodge, it's Saquon Barkley. Um, no, it's not fine. Oh, no, it's not fine? Ah, I mean, he's good. Like, he's talented. He's a, He's like your prototypical boomer bust guy, though. Right, like he's your prototypical, talent. prototypical. Every time you hand him the ball, he is either going minus one, minus two, or plus fifty. Right, like if you didn't live through the Barry Sanders era, this is as close as you're ever going to get to seeing it in real game time, in my opinion. Uh, and you know, when he's got a space, when he's got an angle, when he's got a hole, he's dynamic, and he's going to you know gain you enough yards to get points on the board to you know to keep you in the game. Problem is that's exactly enough points problem wins. The, the problem defense, is, yeah. Well, well, yeah, and the problem is if you're winning seven or eight games in this league, well, and the problem is, in purgatory. Yeah. You are in purgatory, and the the problem is what they what made him successful last year, like the most successful plays they had. I mean, just from a stats standpoint, was when they targeted Odell. Oh, Odell yes. was their best. Like Saquon, great. Saquon was good. They traded away their best player. Their quarterback's a year older. They're, I mean, they, they did add some. They added a piece to the offensive line. They're getting us their center healthy again, but their their wide receiver core is worse. Ingram, Ingram, I like it. I like the tight end. Not just worse, but markedly worse. I'm really out on everything they did on offense here. And and just every move they made almost. And granted, they had three first round picks. They got a few guys. I don't love taking a nose tackle in today's NFL, but I mean he he still probably can be an impact player in the NFL. Everybody off that Clemson line probably has a good chance at that. They did some nice things in the draft. Not everybody's gonna you know contribute immediately, but with OBJ on the field, defenses had to respect him. You're not going to get that kind of respect with Sterling Shepard and Corey Coleman. It it's going to be a lot tougher, I think, for Saquon Barkley this year. He did lead the league in broken tackles. Like he is a beast. I want to give him his due. He is a great player. In fact, I think he's the best running back in the league. He because he did it on a kind of a bad team with a bad offense who didn't always run him at you know advantageous times and he just took it in stride and he looked great a really good comparison by you to barry sanders barry sanders would be one of those guys and i watched a ton of him being a vikings fan where you'd have him bottled up bottled up it's like oh shit barry doing anything today and then he'd knock out an 80 yarder and just break your heart sack one barkley super similar but without the receivers to you know force the defense to play out of base there's can to be a lot of eight-man boxes, and I just don't know that they're gonna wise up enough or or have the options. Like, what do you say? Uh, you know, they're stacking the box a lot. I guess we'll throw the ball to our shitty receivers with our super old quarterback more. Like that, that'll be fine. Like we won't run the ball with our one good player. So it's kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't. They need to add some pieces. They drafted a wide receiver, but it was pretty deep. I think fifth round out of Auburn. Like they're going to need to add some pieces. And I think this is another case where just, you know, I made a lot of jokes and everybody got a little too excited about a guy that threw like 40 passes or less. 
but at least put Danny Dimes in sometime. Let's see what you have. This is not a team that's going to compete for a Super Bowl in the next three years. You don't want Eli Manning playing that long anyway. Let's see what you have. Yeah. You used such a high freaking pick. You have to put him in. Even if it's later in the year, maybe for the easier part of the schedule, get him some reps. See what see what's going on. See what your game plan is going forward with a GM who seems to think he has a game plan. So that that's where I'm at. I'm I'm really I'm really scared that uh like people in oh fantasy Andy again. I'm scared that Saquon's not gonna have as good of a year because yeah, he's what they're going to be able to key in on defense. Like that they're sucks. Balance, he doesn't yeah. have a great receiver to, to, yeah, to pull some, you know, pull some, put some extra D backs on the field. Because when you break tackles, it's a lot easier to break it against a you know five eight, hundred and eighty pound D back than it is against extra linebackers. I strongly agree with you there, um, and I yeah, I mean I'm I'm looking at a team that has taken a step backwards from last year um, in a lot of in a lot of ways and it's a shame uh, I like because I like Pat Shermer I wanted him to have a better crack at a head coaching job I thought oh cool he gets to go take over the Giants and then Dave Gettleman just freaking you know takes the train off freaking cliff here like this is not uh, this is not a roster you know these decisions do not portend to winning in today's NFL you know as great you know Next, next coming of Barry Sanders taking second overall uh, in the NFL draft when you could have had a guy who you know you could have immediately injected as your starting quarterback last year, um, and you know, given yourself, you, you, you just got to get out. You're, you're you're being held hostage by Eli Manning here. This is this is brutal. Eli Manning has got to step aside. He has got to retire. Um, and you know, my take during the draft cycle when they were so hot on Daniel Jones anyway, and the Cutcliffe connection, you know, kind of trickled its way back to the Eli Manning camp was that Eli Manning okayed this move knowing that Daniel Jones wasn't going to really be able to put any pressure on him in terms of his performance uh, to threaten his starting quarterback position this year. So this is, it's weird that this is how this is ending because Eli Manning, I mean, I, you know, my feelings about him as a quarterback throughout his career are complicated. Um, but the way that this has ended these last couple of years has just been horrific. Um, it was two seasons ago. The uh, Giants and the Redskins were playing on Thursday night football. <laughs> he got benched? Two seasons ago when they were on Thursday night football on Thanksgiving and Eli Manning was just, it, it was, it was so bad. He was so incapable of running an effective offense. And it was like, this has got to end. And they bench him. They break his streak of consecutive stats. And the fucking, the collective universe lost its damn mind over the stupid, meaningless streak. And, you know, they started Geno Smith. I don't even remember if Geno Smith played that whole game before they lost their shit and put Manning back in. But, like, it, it's it, this is not a com- team that is any, I mean, I mean, realistically, Manning makes 16 starts this year. Is he the 32nd best quarterback in the league? Oh, Lord, no. I mean, he's not even the worst quarterback in the division, probably. <laughs> he's still got to compete against the three-headed monster in Washington. But he will be bottom <laughs> he, he will be bottom five. It's true. And it's not all on him. Again, it's not all on just – he. he's not – he's not, you know, absolute garbage. He was a good quarterback, and he is getting older, and that's not helping. But the play calling, 
He's going to be set up in a lot of third down longs and just the receiving core he's been handed. Like, hey, some of it's not his fault, but yeah, for sure a bottom five quarterback. If he starts all sixteen games, I'm I'm out on the on the Giants' passing offense for sure. Okay, since this is the end of the whole division preview series, and I really don't have much else to go on the Giants here, I'm not really betting on. I'm going to look for places to bet them with some line value because the sentiment is going to be so cold on these guys. Um, but the um, Let's end on a on a funny note here. Um, power rank these teams, for, these hopeless. Give me the the hopelessness ranking here. Okay, as we enter this 2019 NFL season, who which should be the most hopeless of these franchises? If your franchise is quarterbacked by Eli Manning, by Case Keenum, by Ryan Fitzpatrick, by Andy Dalton, by Derek Carr, or by Joe Flacco, those six teams. Like, give me the the w- w- which of those teams should be the most hopeless heading into the season. I mean, just taking taking out the rest of the teams just based on quarterback. Yes, just based on Man, quarterback. I mean, Eli, Eli, just based on his age. I mean, because it just means you're. I mean, you're you're starting someone that age that just has had you know that low of production for the past couple of years. I mean, he I guess I mean he threw for like four thousand yards last year, but they're behind a bunch. Yeah, and it was Odell Beckham Jr. He was starting. His, to, yeah. yeah, it was, and it was Beckham. Like that's gonna you're gonna end up with. I mean, it's funny because you're gonna end up with like Dak numbers. Dak only had like thirty five hundred yards, probably. Um, his TD to interception, 21-11. I mean, his rating wasn't terrible. He's serviceable, but I think a lot of those guys, what are you doing at that point? What is your plan as a franchise if you're starting those guys? Like, you're not know, starting man. over with Joe. You know, you move you, you move into Joe Flacco, Case Keenum, because those are – and Fitzpatrick faces in new places. Like, is, is that really your plan? Like all three of those teams need to be need to be trying something younger and new. Like, this isn't it isn't a situation where you're trading for, uh, you know, like a Peyton Manning. You, you get him on a team and he's still, even with a noodle arm, he's a second head coach. He, I mean, Peyton Manning that year was a top five head coach. Yeah, he sure. was a he was a top three offensive coordinator out there in the field. Like it's it's not. It's not probably ever going to happen again where somebody trades or signs a quarterback of that age and goes out and has a bunch of success. No, either those, not. you know, either it's a, like a Breeze Rivers Brady thing where they're finishing their career somewhere, or or it's just like a sad Flacco thing. I'm not, I'm not sold on the Flacco stuff. We've been over that. The Keenum stuff. He's just, I don't think he's ever going to have a, a a year where he replicates what he did in Minnesota. Because he's, it's hard to have two receivers like that, and and even even with all that said, I'm still the saddest about the Eli Manning thing because they have a young quarterback. Just you wasted. I don't want to say wasted because we don't know yet. You used that draft capital on Daniel Jones. Fucking play him. Yeah, seriously. And, and then and then be, take it easy on him because again, you have you have kind of a bad receiving core. Yeah. Yeah. 
Although I gotta say, guys. I gotta say, they're young guys. The young guys in the receiving core who have been, who have kind of gotten a lot of first team reps through camp because you know they lost Sterling Shepard. They uh, they they are expecting Golden Tate to be a four game suspension. Like they've had to inject a bunch of these young guys into the program earlier than they would have liked to, and they've actually looked kind of fine. <laughs> so maybe they're good. I don't know. But yeah, I, it's I so hard. I, I, and I you're right. It, it's so hard to read. Yeah, it's so think, hard to read. Like. Yeah. I get so excited for people in preseason every year. Oh. Yeah. No, the Giants are the Giants are in the top five of hopeless franchises at this point for this season at least. So sorry guys. Um and you know, they are <laughs> they are at the bottom Sterling of the total standings he's as well. Start. Like, yeah, he's, he's, he's gonna start week one. Okay. Well, their win total he, is yeah, well it's it's lane. not it's not a hundred percent. Like he's He's projected to start, but I mean, at this point, he's already got an injured thumb. So, uh, another knock on the receiving core. Yep, their win total is six. You got to lay minus one forty-seven if you want the under. This has been a team that no one has been very positive about really throughout the entirety of the process. So, um, bummer. And uh, hopefully, they exceed expectations a little bit. I'll probably be betting on them a handful of, of 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 the of the hopeless teams. I think this is a team that does have a little bit of friskiness game by game can mostly just cause I kind of like their coach. I kind of like Shermer. I don't like any of those other coaches, but I kind of like Shermer and I want to see him do well. So I'll give them some, some looks. And I'm, um, I'm excited to see, I'm excited to see Haskins versus Jones. Hopefully at least <laughs> once they play in week 15. Oh yeah. It's if, gonna be bad if, you're, if I see Eli Manning versus, yeah. If I see Eli Manning versus Colt McCoy in week 16, I'm going to be pissed. Yes, that's 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 less than optimal, guys. Get yeah, the young if you remember draft, if you remember draft night, Haskins was heated that they took Jones over him sixth overall. He was heated. Uh, that'll be fun. Um, all right, man. Well, yeah. let's uh, let's wrap this up. Good yeah. job on all of the division previews. We did um, it. Thirty-two you know, teams. Seven of them are still super relevant. You can go back to listen to them anytime. Get our takes on the season. We're gonna put a little capstone on this tomorrow uh, with a guest preview where we talk a little bit about some of the futures markets, specifically some of the awards markets, uh, and it should be a heck of a lot of fun. Uh, somebody you've heard before, somebody whose opinion on the NFL I totally respect, and uh, we talk to behind the scenes all the time, and it's gonna be a great episode. So look forward to that tomorrow, and uh, and then have a great Labor Day weekend. So. Andy, great job. Good content. Eight division previews. We yeah, did it. and that said, we there won't be, you know, we've been doing three podcasts a week here for a whole month. We are going to take a break. We'll be off during the regular season here. Or, I mean, <laughs> at least Monday. Yes. We are, we will, we will, you know, outside of that, we do have the episode with, uh, with our guests that we're going to go over some fun markets, but we will be taking... Is it Labor Day or Memorial Day? I always get those mixed up. It's Labor Day. We are taking Labor Day off. We'll only have one podcast next week, but it will be the first of the, I don't even know if we have a name for it, the one where we talk about the games for the week, the exciting one, the one where we actually break down the matchups. We tell you what we're betting on. We're going to be in Vegas for week one. We might even, are we going to, what are you doing this weekend? You want to do a scope? Uh, I'm just do a production be, meeting on the air here. I'm going to be up in the mountains, so it's going to be I'm tough. Traveling. But I would like, I, I would, yeah, I would like to do, I would like to do one just for the reps. But I don't think this weekend's going to work, unfortunately. So we may, we may just have to do it live. 
for Packers Bears. Do it live. I like it. All right, man. But yeah, next week, breaking down games, letting you know what's going on. Are you going to have a play? One, it's so close. Are you going to have a play? I have several in mind. Packers Bears? No. Oh, God, no. Maybe, well, I'm going to have a second half play. Oh, you pivoted pretty quick there. Because we always do. Yeah, we'll have a second half play, but what about pregame? Anything straight? Well, we have to. Have you cracked that market? Have you cracked that market? No, I'm staying away from the opener. Maybe mm. you know what? I'll mm. play like a first touchdown score. Those are fun. Go take take a couple of ten spots and put them on some first touchdown scores. Probably on the green That's Bay a fun side, right? When you have nothing better to do and you have to, when you really have to get involved, at least you know, just go small and do that. That's a super fun way to do it. I think that's what I'll do, and we'll do a second half. So mm-hmm. we will. We'll talk to you later this week. Okay. All right, man. Take care. Peace.